0: My subject this morning is deceptions about holiness. Now, there is a lot of confusion in the Christian church today. But thank God there is a oneness that we all have. Most of all Christian churches, and I hope all of them, they believe that 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, There was a God-man, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, died on the cross for our sins. And uh, so we have found that the sin issue is over. Nobody is going to be lost because of sin. The Bible proclaims the only ones that are going to be lost are those who choose to disbelieve the gospel. The gospel... Is a way of life. But many Christians have been have bought into this belief that um, there's a lot of things that are preached today. If you would turn on your TV and the religious stations, you'll find a buffet of different beliefs. You have the prosperity gospel, Um, you have the the works-oriented gospel. Um, And you have the grace-oriented gospel. And so the average individual who's looking at the TV set is kind of confused. What is it? What do I really believe? And some feel that they've heard the grace message and they say, well, I understand that I'm saved by grace. And that is wonderful. That is a great message. But I'm concerned because... As much as I have come to understand grace, there's still this idea that I'm not, doesn't seem like I'm growing. It just somehow doesn't seem like, well, I'm the same today as I was 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 years ago, whenever it was that you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And so I want to start out with two fundamental facts that I hope that all of us will agree on. And one is found in Philippians 1.6. This is Paul, who's writing this letter. He says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And then we have In 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass. And so the Bible is saying that God started a good work in you and that he's going to finish it. He's going to bring it to perfection. And then he says that faithful is he who calls you. Now The Bible says that the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all flesh. And the reason that the Bible says that is because God has made a promise to us that he is going to knock on the door of every heart and give an opportunity for you to respond to him. Now, this scripture is talking about God's faithfulness. He made a promise to us. His faithfulness, he called you. He knocked on your door, and every one of us here have responded. Now, we may not have understood everything about what we were responding to. I look back at my own conversion. I was just freshly out of the Marine Corps, and I went to a series of meetings. Um, I went through a series of circumstances. I never thought I would darken the door of a church, but I, I came to the place where I had been drinking that night. My car flipped over and um, I could, the only thing I could see was the sky. And I said this. I said, God, I don't know if you're real. I don't know if it's true. I, I don't know. But if it is true, if it is, I'm asking you for help. If it is true. That's all I said. It's not a very good response to God, but he came knocking on my door that morning when I woke up in that car. And I found myself 23 days later giving my life to Christ. When I gave my life to Christ, I wasn't sure what I did. I I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have this this feeling, uh, this tremendous uh, experience like, like the Apostle Paul had. I didn't have that experience. I just had an awareness that God was in my life. So, all of us are different. All of us have come to Him. Some of us knew more than others. Some of us grew up as Christians. And that's a beautiful thing. And some of us did not. Now, it causes us to believe differently. We get a different image of God, we get a different understanding of God, and we try to connect the dots for what we went through in our experience in life. And so this scripture tells me that God is faithful, and it doesn't mean that I am. It's all I know is that he is faithful. So we're talking about God's faithfulness. And it's his faithfulness when he knocked on our door and we asked him to come in until his faithfulness is till Jesus Christ comes back the second time and he gives us a body, a new body that will match the heart that we now have as Christians. There are many Christians who feel that if they feel the desire for sin they seem to think that maybe they're going backwards maybe they're falling falling back and when they feel that they they buy into the deception that we are both saint and sinner now that is a deception And it's a very serious one. If we buy into the fact that we are both a saint and a sinner, that means that we believe there's two of us. Something's going on inside. Now, the Bible says that when we accept Jesus Christ, we received a new nature. There's a lot of confusion about this new nature you can go into the, your Bible and you will not find anything pertaining to a new nature. It's just not there. This new sinful nature, that's what <clears throat> the sinful nature that Christians believe that they have, is just simply not true. When you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have. Christ's nature. You don't have two natures. Now, it came from this whole idea of the sinful nature, came to us through the mistranslation of the Greek, "sorix." in the NIV, that's where it's found, sinful nature. It's not found in the King James, it's not found in a lot of translations. But in the NIV, it says, there is sinful nature. Now, I'm thankful that it's no longer in the NIV. They have corrected that. It's now the flesh. So, we're led to believe, because of this this whole concept in the NIV, the sinful nature, we are led to believe that we have a spiritual, sinful nature. And that is not true. That is not true. But that's what we're led to believe. And so from that came this new self. So we have a new self and an old self. We have a good me and a bad me. And that's sometimes that's easy to buy into. Because that's the way we feel when these things come through our mind. We think, "Uh uh-oh, something's wrong. Why am I thinking about that? Why am I, what's going on in my head? And so it's easy to buy into the fact that maybe there's two me's in here, but that is not theologically correct. There's only one me. There's not two me's. There's only one heart. There's not two hearts. There's only the one, the one self. The whole idea has brought a lot of confusion to the Christian church. And so now we find out that there is a, a thing called the flesh. The flesh is our way that we walk, the way that we set our minds, and the way we strategize for life. And depending on how you grew up, in what in, 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 the, in the area that you grew up, I can remember a fellow came to my door. He had a long beard. he's a mountain man. And I just moved into West Virginia. And he knocked on my door and he said, he found out that his wife, he had a big, he had a big bowl of or jar, uh, um, a gallon jar, and it was halfway full. And he said, he knocked on the door and he said to me, he says, uh, are you the preacher? And I said, well, how did you know I was a preacher? He said, well, he says, the wife told me to bring this to the preacher. So do I have the right house? I said, well, you do have the right house. And I said, well, come on in. So he came in and he he told me, he says, well, he said, I got my boots on. I said, take them off and come on in. And so he came in and uh, I had a wonderful visit with him, but he was under the impression because he grew up there in the mountains. He was under the impression that God wasn't happy with him. Because of the, his, his lifestyle, the way he was living. And so his picture of God was different. And I said to him, I said, you know, I says, we're a victim. All of us are a victim. We're a victim of how we grew up, where we grew up. I said, here, you grew up in these mountains and everything. I said, uh, and you grew up, I'm sure that uh, you went to church. And he says, yes, my mother was a Sunday school teacher and she taught us at home. And he says, but I don't go anymore. He says, it's just too confusing. And I said, I know exactly what you mean. Religion is really too confusing. And so I explained to him, I said, well, I said, I'm thankful that God sent you up here. He said he did. And I said, he thought it was his wife. I said, no, I said, I'm thankful that God sent you up here. And it gives me an opportunity to explain to you why we're so messed up in the first place. He says, we are. I says, well, all of us, we're all messed up. I says, we all have a misunderstanding, a, a, a distorted picture of who God really is. And that's true. From our flesh, we have a distorted picture of God. The Bible says here in Romans 4 and 5, So that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, the Bible is talking about believers here. It says here that believers do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And then the Bible says, for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So the Bible makes a definite division. If you are an unbeliever, you are walking according to the flesh. If you are a believer, you are walking according to the Spirit. Now, remember this. When you said yes to Christ, the Bible says that old self died. And then it was buried, the Bible says. You are not who you used to be. The Bible says that you are now a saint. Well, if you're the average Christian, you're probably thinking, I don't know if I'm a saint or not. I believe in the Lord and everything, but I don't know. The things that I think, the things that I do, I don't know that I'm a saint. Well, the Bible says you are. The Bible says exactly that. You are a saint. You are a child of God. Your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You are not a sinner. You are a saint who occasionally sins. We are not two selves. We are one self. As believers, we have a new way to walk. We walk. In the spirit. By the spirit. Now, it doesn't mean that we can still walk by the flesh. Because we have a choice. God has given us a choice. But when you're a born again Christian, your choice is to walk by the spirit. But occasionally when this world comes at us, and it does, and confusion comes at us, and stress comes at us, and a lot of things come at us, we just shake our heads and, and we listen to sometimes to the flesh. The flesh is those old patterns that we learn to live with. And so as believers, we have this new way of walking. Now, when we do walk by the flesh, it's not a good experience. The first thing we say to ourselves, why in the world did I listen to that? Why in the world am I doing that? Why am I in the world thinking about that? In Galatians 5, 16, the Bible says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So the Bible makes it very plain. The Bible is saying to you, listen, believe who you are, and walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. So the flesh is our old way of thinking, it's our old way of acting, and it's our old way of trying to make life work. That's what the flesh is. In Romans 8, 8 and 9, it says, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, the, way, the reason that is put out this way, that Paul put this out this way, he says, And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, the Bible says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Every born again Christian is in the spirit. He is not in the flesh. He sometimes listens to the flesh and it causes him to sin. Yes, that's true. It's true with all of us. I have never known anybody Who stopped. Never known anybody who said, you know, I've been a Christian now for 30 years, and you know, it's amazing, I no longer sin. No, I've never met anybody. And the Bible says if you say that, you've sinned. You've sinned because it's not true. But thank God that God does not hold our sins against us. That's the beauty of the gospel, Yes, we do sin, but he does not hold our sins against us. You are not a sinner. You are a saint who sometimes sins. Now, most people, and I've said this probably if you've been here as long as I've been here, almost every week, but I'll say it again. What happens to an individual when they say yes to Christ? Now, they don't know exactly what's taking place. They may not understand a lot of things about it, but here's what happened. When they said yes to Christ, Christ came in. And when he came in, he did something. He performed surgery on you. He took out that heart of stone and gave you a new heart. Then the Bible says, the moment that you said yes to Christ, That he not only gave you that new heart, but he gave you a new human spirit. That's why the Bible says you must be born again. You must be born again to receive that new human spirit. And then the Bible says he filled you with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a misunderstanding a lot about this Holy Spirit. I can remember as an evangelist, I often would, would uh, have people come up to me and say, it, and would say to me, are you uh, spirit-filled? And I would say, yes. But they didn't mean... What they meant was, do you speak in tongues? Um, and it is impossible... Uh, Believe me when I say that, it is absolutely impossible for anybody to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior without being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. It cannot happen. Because what, Bi- what, what the Bible says that when, when, when you said yes to Christ, he came in and took out that heart of stone, gave you a new heart, filled it with the Holy Spirit... And so, at your deepest core, you are everything that God says you are, everything. Now, sometimes people have said to me after they've heard me speak, and and I say that you are everything that God wants you to be; that you are, you are perfect in in God's eyes. You are everything. He, he has given you everything that you need for life and for godliness. He's given it all to you. So you are what God wants you to be. But, you, but you're thinking, hmm, I don't really feel that I'm everything God wants me to be. I feel that I have to get over this or I have to conquer this or I have to, I have to read my Bible more. I have to have more quiet time. I have to do this. I have to do that. This is not true. This is a deception. This is not true. It's true that the more you read the Bible, you probably have a better understanding of God. you have a better appreciation of the Father. You'll fall in love with the Son. Yes, that's all true. But that's not a requirement. That's not a requirement. Now, so God's given you a new heart, He's given you a new human spirit. He's given you and filled you with the Holy Spirit. That's who you are as a Christian. Now, do you feel that you're perfect? No. Do you feel that you're complete? No. Do you feel that you're everything that God wants you to be? Probably not. Probably not. But are you? Yes. Yes, you are. You're everything that God wants you to be. Now, there's another major deception, and it is this idea that you have and yet you don't have. Have you heard that before? People will say, well, yeah, you're a new creation in Christ, but not really, not yet. You are righteous, but not righteous yet. You are holy. But not holy yet. Sounds confusing? Well it is. It is confusing. Because it's a deception. We have theologians. Who have come up with this idea. That some of these things are positional. They call it positional truth. Now the disciples didn't understand that. About positional truth. It was the theologians who tried to attempt to explain some confusing things in the Bible, and so they came up with this idea that there is a positional truth and then a real truth, and so it appeals to us because when the Bible says we're holy, we think, "Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't feel holy," and so. They try to work on holiness and thinking that what they do will, will, will somehow make them pleasing to God. So if they're reading the Bible every day, if they're having a quiet time, if they're praying all the time, then they think that God is pleased with them. Listen, the moment you said yes to Christ, he's been pleased with you ever since. He's not disappointed in you when you walk by the flesh. He is not we are led to believe that he is. I can remember as an early Christian. They say every time you sin. You're pounding that nail into the coffin. That is not true. That is not true. We were born sinners. That's the truth. And we had nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing. Now there I agree that there is a process when it comes to growing and learning about God. That is a process. That's, it's going to take us a lifetime. And at the end of that lifetime that we have, how many years it is, we'll still fall short in knowing and understanding God's complete love. So there is a process. But when you hear that your righteousness your forgiveness, your sanctification, when you hear people telling you that we somehow have them and yet we don't have them, it's a sort of a positional truth, it just brings confusion to the mind. And we get to the place where we don't know what to believe. Over the years, I've heard that God is not fair. Now, most non-believers, they will agree with you. They'll agree with you that God is not fair. But I'm here to tell you this morning to believers that God is not fair. And I'll prove that to you. Okay, the Bible says in Romans 5, 12, Therefore, just as though one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So the Bible says that when Adam sinned, everybody after that that was born was born a sinner. And I say, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. It had nothing to do with it. I come back 6,000 years or 10,000 years or whatever some of these theologians say, and I come along, and now because of Adam Um, I'm in deep trouble. I'm born a sinner. I am born a sinner. Now, there's a flip side too. And this is in Romans 5.19. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Because of Adam, we were all made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Now, We are made righteous because of the obedience of Jesus Christ. We're not made righteous because of our obedience. We are made righteous because of the one man, Jesus Christ. So, how many sins does it take to to be a sinner? Well, the biblical answer to that is none. 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 Because you were born a sinner. And it wasn't your sin that caused you to become a sinner. You were simply born a sinner. And that's why the Bible says, you must be born again. You were born a sinner. And now the Bible says, you need to be born again. God is looking at our birth. Not our behavior. He's looking at our birth. We were born a sinner. And he's not looking at our behavior. He's looking at our birth. And a radical change comes when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We are born again. Now, your sinfulness comes from birth. God is telling the world, the whole world, that there's a way out. The Holy Spirit's been poured out upon all flesh. So he's telling the whole world that there is a way out. And that way out is Jesus Christ. Salvation is about one, Jesus Christ, who has given to us total righteousness because of himself. I know that many Christians are in some sort of self-improvement program. Uh, they think that their efforts are, and their obedience is going to uh, get them kudos with God. And so uh, they feel that as long as they're praying, having the quiet time, having, the, having study, study time and everything, that they are pleasing God and God is looking at them as, okay, good, you're, you're a proven child. Well, they failed to recognize that the moment that they accepted Jesus Christ and they received a new birth, everything was okay. And God looks at them as being okay because they said yes to God. So it's not fair that because of Adam's sin, the whole world is in such a mess. And I've heard Christians say through the years, that they just don't see the fairness in God. Well, God, why? Why is this world in such a mess? Look at what you have done. And God says, it wasn't me. It was Adam. It wasn't me. It was Adam. I gave him a choice, and he decided not to believe me. And the world got into a mess. So the next question would be then, well, why did you let him choose? And his answer would no doubt be, I had to if I was going to have a relationship with him. You see, if you have a relationship with anybody, it doesn't make any difference. If you have that type of relationship, you have to give them the opportunity to choose. Now, you see that our salvation is about the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's not about us. So, just as sin and disobedience is about one man, Adam, who got us into this mess, through the obedience of one. The Bible says, the many will be made righteous. So the question I have for you, are you willing to pin the obedience of the one Jesus Christ to your salvation? Are you willing to do that? There is no other system like this on the planet. There's a lot of religions around the world. And some of them appear to be good religions because they, they they preach the same message of being kind to your neighbor, being thoughtful, be giving. But there's no other religion on this, this planet. And the problem is, and it's totally unfair. The Christian religion is totally unfair. To the flesh. Totally unfair. You could take, and everybody knows the name Hitler or Dahmer, serial killer. You could take any any person who has been bad to the bone and they could come in here and they could receive Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And at that moment, that they said yes to the Christ. They are on an equal platform with everybody here. No matter. You've been brought up a Christian. It doesn't make any difference. It's an equal platform. It is totally unfair to the flesh. Because to the flesh. I would go back to my old Marine Corps days. And say wait a minute. You can't, you can't do this. You've got to make them prove themselves. You've got to put them on trial. You've got, to, you've got to observe them and watch over them. And sure, if they come through a year, maybe two years or five years, depending on what they've done, then yeah, well, then we can accept them. But you can't just let them in free like this. You can't make them equal with everybody. You just can't do it. But that's what God did. It's totally unfair. And when you see that it's totally unfair, you'll get a clearer picture of what we call amazing grace. Amazing grace. Do you realize what's happening in some of the Christian churches today? Sometimes people make a mistake and they put them on trial. Well, they have to observe them for quite a while before they let them fully back into fellowship. God doesn't do that. That's foreign to God. The moment that you say yes, he says yes. He says yes. And I don't care what you have done in your past. I'm ashamed of a lot of things that I've done. But I am so thankful that when I gave my life to Christ it's over. The past is over. It's all done. He took my past and he buried them into the depths of the sea. He took my sins and buried them into the depths of the sea and promised me he would remember them no more. He's not going to bring it up to me. Now the devil does. He always brings it up to me. He's the one that Shoots these darts through, through my brain. He's the one that causes me pain. And then when I go 12 inches down and I realize who I am at my core, that I am perfect in God's eyes. I am perfect at the core. I'm not, I'm not as, God is, is, is not blind, He's not looking at us through Jesus' glasses. Some people think that God doesn't see us. He sees Jesus. No God sees us. He knows us. He sees us. And he's pleased with us. And he loves us. And he cares for us. And he is transforming us into his image. It's going to take a lifetime. It's going to take a lifetime. But in the process. We are everything that he says that we are. Now. In John thirteen thirty four, the Bible says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, and you also love one another. The Bible says this, Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. And then in Ephesians, the Bible says this. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You know, the Bible says that he that loveth much has been forgiven much. All of us have been forgiven much. We've been forgiven much. Whether we realize it or not, we will treat people with the same measure of love, acceptance, and forgiveness that we rightly or wrongly think that we receive from God. That's the way we're going to treat people. I can remember as a pastor years ago out west, Somebody came to me and they were telling me all about this elder, how terrible he was. And uh, he was a straight shooter, all right, but um, he believed and, 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 and saying what he thought. But they were saying that they didn't know if they wanted to come to church anymore because of that elder. And so I went to visit that elder and I knew he was a godly man. But sometimes his flesh surfaced just like all of our flesh does. And he had this tendency to just tell people whatever he thought without considering the circumstances or whatever. Now, God is transforming each one of us into his image. And I explained to him, you know, God is recreating you into his image. Are you feeling it? He's doing it. Are you feeling it? He's doing it, I said, and he'll continue to do it. That's all I had to say to him. And then the realization came to him. God gave him the realization that he needed to treat people differently. None of us are perfect. We all have issues. And I'm so thankful that Christianity is not about rules It's about Christ ruling. I'm so thankful that it's not about religious principles. It's about a person. It's Jesus Christ who is full of truth and grace. The Bible really means exactly what it says. When we ask Jesus Christ into our lives, we came to him spiritually dead. We were wounded people, and we were guilty sinners. And Christ gave us all of him, all of him. And so we received a resurrected life. We received all the power that God can give us. He gave us everything that we need to live out life and he gave us everything we need to be godly he gave us it all but there are occasions as I mentioned before that when life comes at us we listen to our flesh we listen to our old ways of dealing with issues and problems and when we do we always are disappointed the bible does mean what it says We have experienced in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Are you righteous? Praise God, you are. You are. You're righteous. Total acceptance means that we have perfect peace with God. And so the Bible says, therefore, having been justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we have been freed from condemnation. The Bible says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, the devil will try to persuade you. He will try to tell you. He will try to condemn you For the way that you live, what you are doing, and he attacks you. And he says that if you were really born again, you wouldn't be doing this. If you were really born again, you wouldn't say that. If you were really born again, you'd treat your neighbor better. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. And the Bible says that you are everything in Christ Jesus. So the Bible also means, or says this, that you have been made perfect, for by one offering, he is perfected for all those who are sanctified. When you accept when you said yes to Christ, that's exactly what happened to you. You were perfect, you were perfected by God, you are perfect and you are sanctified. Sanctified means that you have been set apart. You've been set apart for religious use. God did it all for you. And then the Bible says, in Colossians 2, 9 and 10, for in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. Now I realize that it's hard for us to believe That we are complete. But that's what the Bible says. We are complete in Christ. The Bible doesn't say that you're going to feel complete. The Bible says that you are complete. You are exactly who God says that you are. You have been made perfect. Philippians 1.6 For I am confident of this. Everything. That he who began a good work in you. Will perfect it. Until the day of Christ Jesus, He has made you complete. He has perfected you. He's also in the process of perfecting you, He is recreating you into His image. So, all of these things are true. It's not a positional truth, it's true what the Bible says, and it's exactly what the Bible says. Now, we are perfectly maturing. God is doing that in us. We have a lifetime to grow, a lifetime to learn of the Father's love. We know that until then, we can be be sure that we will be completed in the process. Whatever stage we're in, we're complete in Christ. And God is doing a work in us that is the it is the greatest thing that ever happened to us in our lifetime. God is a wonderful God. He is everything he says he is. And you, born-again Christians, are everything that he says you are. You are holy, you are blameless, you are perfect and you are righteous. I mean, that ought to bring a lot of excitement to us. In our everyday living, we wake up and we realize that I'm not, I'm not this bad person. I'm not this individual who's, who's going through all these head games. I know whom I believe in. I know who took my sins and buried them into the depths of the sea and remembers them no more. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. God loves me. He's proud of me. He's everything he says about me. And it's all true. It's all true. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for what you've said to us. What you've said to us in your word is true. And we praise you for it. We thank you for what you are doing in us, that you are recreating us into your image. We are thankful, we praise you, we adore you, and we just think that life is wonderful having you in control of our life. We're thankful, Lord, that you have made us all of this at the core of our being. And so we praise you. And as we go through life, help us to be remindful of it. Help us to renew our minds every day of who we are in Christ. For we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.